0: Uh, I know this doesn't sound like a very exciting title, Surrender, but but I hope that you glue in with me now because I, I really believe with all my heart that this is a game changer. It's a game changer for Christians. If we could get a hold of this thing of surrender, really, it could change our life. It could change our life. Look at Genesis chapter 22. We're going to see a Old Testament example of surrender. And it came to pass, verse 1 of Genesis 22, after these things, God did tempt Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I, or here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to a land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose early in the morning. And saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Notice this, don't miss this. And Abraham said to the young men, abide here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. You notice that? Statement of faith. He said, we'll be right back. Look at verse six. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and took the fire in his hand and his knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, Father, and he said, here I am, son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, and where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went, both of them, together. We're going to talk a little bit more later in the message, really at the end of the message on the significance, the New Testament significance of that story to us. Obviously, it's a metaphor for Christ and a type of Christ coming uh, for us. We're going to talk about that later. But right now, I want you to think about something. When we come to Christ for salvation, when we come to him for salvation, do we not come broken and needy? Do we not come to Christ needing something, needing uh, his help and recognizing I am a sinner and recognizing I am I am helpless and there's nothing I can do? And does not Christ offer to us victory over sin and over death? When we come to Christ for salvation, we understand that Christ is the one who does the work and the salvation is through him and by him and the victory over sin and over death is through Christ. Now, after salvation, we face many difficulties in life. Anybody here ever faced a difficulty in life? And after salvation, we go to things and oftentimes we go to church and we go to a pastor or we go to some sort of religion to find help and to find victory in those difficulties. For instance, you might have a difficulty in your marriage that you need victory in. Perhaps today you have uh, 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 issues with your children that you need victory in. Perhaps you have an addiction in your life that you need victory in. Perhaps there's loneliness or depression or some other malady or some other thing in your life and you come to uh, the church or you come to the pastor, or you come uh, to, to church because you're looking for some sort of victory in your life. We all need victory over something now and then. Come on now, anybody else besides me? We all need victory over things now and again. The problem is, is that the world's definition of victory and God's definition of victory are not the same. The world thinks that victory is win. All I do is win. Win. That's the world's definition of victory. For the world, there is no victory in surrender, but it's the opposite for the Christian. For the Christian, victory begins in surrender. For you and for me today, if we want to have victory in our life, we have to start with surrender. I don't know what you need victory in your life today. I don't know if there's something that you're going through or something that you need or something that you're looking for, but I guarantee you this thing today, you will not get victory in that area in your life on your own. You need God's help. And so, victory begins with surrender. What about you today? Are you looking for victory in your life? Do you need to see God move in a mighty way in your life? I'm not going to give you five steps to a better you today. I'm not going to give you a 10 step program for your marriage or a 52 step program for this or that. We're just going to talk about being surrendered to God today. So, would you join me in prayer? Father, I come before you today. And God, I ask for your help in a full room like this. Lord, I know the distractions are always there. Lord, I pray that our cell phones would be on silent, put away. I pray that, Lord, that our minds would be stayed on you. Lord, I know there's a lot of things to think about, but Lord, I pray that we'd be focused on your word. God, I pray that my words would not just fall on the carpet today. Holy Spirit, I pray that with the word of God, you would break through the stony heart today. God, I pray that you'd crack through the surface of our excuses and crack through the surface of all those things that we're holding on to. And Lord, you get to that fleshy part of our hearts, God, work in us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This story is perhaps one of the most personal, one of the most raw, one of the most dramatic examples of surrender in all of Scripture. Abraham, who was 100 years old, I said 100 years old. This guy was old. He was old. His wife was also up there in years. And God came to the Abraham and Sarah, and you know the story. He said to them, he said, Brother Renison, you're going to have a son. And Abraham laughed. She said, no, we're not. <laughs> she said, this ship has sailed. And God said, no, you will have a son. And so God, uh, of course, you know the whole story. Abraham does end up uh, being with child, and Abraham and, and 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 Sarah have Isaac, this boy. He is the promised son. God promised through the Abrahamic covenant that God would bless his seed. He would bless his uh, his 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 children that go on after him. And so <coughs> Isaac was this was this he, he, Isaac was this promise. This promise. I imagine that Abraham, after he went through that faith journey, got as soon as Isaac was born, he kind of wiped his brows and said, wow, I'm glad that faith journey is over. And he thought he was good. He thought he was smooth sailing until he went home to be with the Lord. But Abraham's faith journey wasn't over. Can I just tell you today, senior saints, guess what? Your faith journey isn't over until you do go home and see the Lord. Sometimes God brings things into your life that you're not ready for. And so God brought into Abraham's life, into Sarah's life, another step of faith that they were not anticipating. They thought, boy, Isaac is here. We are good to go. God, I just got to exist, eat, drink, and be merry. But no, God said, I got another faith journey for you to go on, Abraham. And it came to pass that God did tempt Abraham. He calls on Abraham and Abraham responds, here am I. And he said, I want you to take your son, not just your son, but thine only son, not just the only son, but the son that thou lovest. And I want you to give him back to me. I want you to sacrifice him back to me. What? Now the Bible doesn't say that Abraham responded negatively, but I don't, we don't know what, what he said in his heart, but I'll tell you what I would have said, excuse me? I thought you said that Isaac would be the one to take on my my family. I I thought that Isaac was, and, and, and so what? You're asking for him back? This message today is not about Isaac and Abraham. This message today is about surrender. God was after something special in Abraham's life. And if we look deeper into this story, we can get past Abraham and Isaac. We'll talk about it, but we're going to find three powerful things about surrender. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, Abraham surrendered first to God's sovereignty. He surrendered to God's sovereignty. Sovereignty is recognizing that God is in control of everything. God is in control of everything. God is in control of everything. Amen? I say God is in control of everything. That's his sovereignty. God is sovereign. He decides I said, he decides. God is the one who makes the decisions. And so Abraham surrendered himself to God's sovereignty. <clears throat> I say, how do you know that? Because look at what happened. God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering on Mount Moriah. I want you to take him and I want you to kill your son. And Abraham, the next day, it doesn't, he didn't wait six months. He didn't wait two weeks. He didn't wait until noon. The Bible says he grows up early in the morning. He gathered his things. He got a couple guys to help him. They claved the wood. They got some fire. They got the knife. And on the way they went. Abraham trusted. He surrendered to God's sovereignty. Abraham recognized that God had a plan. Max, where'd you go, buddy? Would you come up here? I used Max in the first service and he did such a good job. I thought I'd hire him again. (laughs) I have to hire him to come up here. This is one of my sons. This is Max. I don't know if you see the family resemblance at all. But Max is my, my second son, my second son. I love him more than life itself. How many parents know what I'm talking about? There's nobody in this room that, that I, would, I, would, I would do a lot for this boy. I'll just tell you that, okay? I love him. Now, can you imagine with me, now, Abraham, he, he looks at his boy and he gets up early in the morning and says, hey, hey, buddy, we got to go. Let's get up. And all the time he's looking in the eyes of that little boy and he's thinking what God asked him to do. That had to have been the longest walk of Abraham's life. You go get this stuff. Let's get this stuff, buddy. We got to go. We got to take a little trip. I know it doesn't make any sense right now, but it'll make sense in a little bit, okay? So I need you to carry this. And he gives some things, some items to his boy, and they begin walking. And the whole time, the Bible doesn't say this. The whole time, I, I just wonder in my mind what what's going through Abraham's mind as he's walking with his son. Why, God? God, why, why are you doing this? I, I don't understand. Was it me, God? Did I make a mistake? Was it my sin? Did I do something wrong, God? God, what I don't understand what you're doing here. I don't understand, and, and we don't know what Abraham's thinking. I just know this, that was a long walk with his son. The Bible says he gets to a certain point and he tells his, his the two guys that were with him, he said, I want you guys to stay here. He goes, my son, we're gonna go up there. We're gonna worship God. And he makes a statement of faith. He says, we'll be back. You see, in Abraham's heart, he had hope all along that God knew what he was doing. He surrendered to God's sovereignty. He recognized that God had a plan. Okay, so they get up there, they get up to the mountain and and on the way, at some point, the son sees what's in the stuff. The son, he sees what's going on. He sees the knife. He knows why they're taking a knife with them. And so the son sees that knife and he's wondering in his mind, what is that for? And then the son looks over and he sees the rope that usually his father would use to bind the, the, the lamb, the sacrifice. He's done this before. And he looks over and he sees the firewood that his dad, now all I had was two by four, so I'm sorry, you're gonna to have to imagine with me that it's firewood. And so he, his, his dad has the, the firewood and the son asks him, he says, dad, what, what's going on here? He goes, I see the firewood, I see, which, I see the stuff. Where's the lamb? Because normally when they go, you don't typically go find the lamb. So where's the lamb, dad? And then Abraham makes another statement to his son, a faith statement. He says, son, God will provide himself a lamb. So they get up to the mountain and here they are. I don't know about you, but that would have been the slowest altar building you'd ever seen in my life. It had taken me 20 years to build that altar. But Abraham, in faith, he begins to obey God. The Bible says he lays the wood out on the altar. He lays it out. The whole time he's thinking, what in the world, God? What in the world? And he tells us, son, okay, buddy, I, I need your help here. I need you to pull out your arms. Look at how scared my son looks right now. I have to buy you a milkshake or something afterwards, somebody. And so he starts to bind up his son, he ties his son up real good. Now, I don't mean to be too graphic here. I was watching something the other day, and I thought, that looks kind of goofy. A guy was talking about this, and he took the knife out, oh, and he laid his son down on the altar. I know, I know, I know. There you go. I said this this morning, everybody laughed. Just relax. <laughs> I saw somebody the other day do something I thought was kind of goofy. He said he took the knife and he said he stretched forth his hand to slay his son. He went like this. That's not how you slay an animal. I don't know if you've ever butchered an animal. Ask my wife. She's the butcher in the family. But it's not like this. Ah! No, no. He took that knife and he was ready to bleed his son out. I know that sounds graphic, but this is what's going through the mind of Abraham. He takes that son and he takes his son he takes that knife. And by the way, His son is laying there thinking, what in the world is going on, dad? He trusts his dad fully. You wouldn't do this. You would have ran 20 minutes ago. Yeah. (laughs) You'd have been down. You would have got on the donkey. You'd have been next town. Yeah. He takes his hand. And I can imagine he puts his hand over his son's face and he exposes the neck and he's getting ready to do what he needs to do. And all of a sudden, God calls out from the clouds. An angel calls out from the clouds, Abraham, Abraham. And of course, Abraham was waiting for that all the whole time. He's thinking, when is he going to call? When is he going to call? Abraham! And he stops. He says, let thy son go. Get, let him go. Don't do any harm to your son. And so gladly, gladly, the father, he gets the ropes off as quick. he can. okay, buddy, let's go before he changes his mind. Amen? Come on. You have black stuff all over your face. All over my face? Oh, it is? Okay. Here, help me out, buddy. Where's it at? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Is it still there? Black stuff? No? Okay, good. That's your son for you, he helps you out, amen. as you look at all these items here on the ground I don't know if I, I don't know if Abraham left that stuff there, but I would have left it all there. I' would have been down that mountain so fast, brother, but you know what he did? He looks over and he sees over here in a rustling, and God says, "I got you a lamb over there and so Abraham goes over, he grabs that lamb, him and his son, and they sacrifice that that lamb God provided. Now we're gonna talk about what that means in a little bit. But before we get too far into that, I just want you don't skip over what Abraham did here. I, I don't know about you. I don't know that I could have done that. And we always think, we always imagine that we would have done something. Well, I would have done this if I was the disciples. Mm. I don't know that you would have you and I, I don't know that I could have done that, what Abraham did. Here's the thing that we need to realize today God is sovereign. I said, God is sovereign. God has existed for eternity from beginning to end. Nothing surprises God. God already knew what Abraham was going to do. We think, how could God ask him to do that? God already knew the whole situation. God, by the way, this is, we're already done with God. God, is, God has, he's, already, he's, he's waiting for us at the other side. God is sovereign. He knows everything. God was not testing Abraham to find out what Abraham was going to do. That's not why God did this, No. The Bible says in Luke 4, 6, 46, Why call ye unto me, why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? What God is not, God is not after, God does not test us to find out what we're going to do. That's not why he tests us. He already knows what we're going to do. God is trying to teach us to obey. When we disobey God's word, we deny his omnipotence. When we say, okay, God, I'm not going to obey you. I don't want you to do what you say. We're basically saying, God, you don't, you're not who you say you are. God had it all planned out. God knew exactly what Abraham would choose, but Abraham didn't know what he was going to choose. God was not testing Abraham's surrender. God was teaching Abraham surrender. You say, how does that apply to me today? Well, look at verses four with me. It says here, and on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And he said to the young man, abide here with the ass. And he, And the lad went yonder to worship. He said, and come again unto you. You see, Abraham had faith in God's sovereignty. He trusted in God's sovereignty. And what God wants to teach you and what he wants to teach me is that he has a purpose and a plan for our life. God already knows what we're going to do, but he wants us to learn surrender. How many of you get tired of being in the schoolhouse? You get tired of learning the lessons over and over again. You get tired of struggling with the same stuff over and over again. I asked earlier in the message, how many of you have a victory in life that you need? You need victory in your life. Well, you're going to keep struggling. You're going to keep need victory in that until you learn to surrender. Until you learn to obey God, we keep struggling with the same things. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is sovereign. God wants you to know. God wants you to know how to live in obedience. So we see that Abraham was surrendered to God's sovereignty. Oh, it gets better. Stick with me. Number two, Abraham surrendered to God in sacrifice. He surrendered to God in sacrifice. The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself I have sworn and saith the Lord because thou hast done this thing, this act of obedience, what you just did. He said this, and thou hast not, notice this, withheld thy son. He said, You've done, you did not withhold from me that which was most precious to you. Now, if God would have came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to give me a hundred sheep. No problem. I got a hundred sheep. The Bible says that Abraham was very great. He had a lot of things, a lot of possessions. And so that wouldn't have been a big deal for him to give him all the sheep. What if God came to Abraham and said, Give me a thousand sheep? Oh, okay, well, all right, God, I'll give you a thousand sheep. So he gives him what what if God came? I want you to give me all your sheep. Abraham would have said, Well, I guess God wants all my sheep. But God didn't ask for his sheep. Are you with me? How many of you would agree with me today that Isaac was the most precious thing in the eyes of Abraham? only half of you all right well let me help you <laughs> Isaac was the most precious thing in the eyes of his father that was that he loved him that was his inheritance that was his seed that was God's promise everything was wrapped up in that boy that was he was the most important thing in Abraham's life and God asked for the most precious thing in his life it's not just recognizing that God is sovereign Surrender is obedience, obedient sacrifice to God. You say, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is it's not just a giving to God a little bit. He doesn't just want a place in our life. He deserves first place in my life. What it means is God doesn't just want a spot in my schedule. God deserves to control my schedule. What it means is God doesn't just want a tip now and then. God controls my finances. What it means is God doesn't just want to fit into my life. He deserves all of my life. What it means is God doesn't just want a little bit, a piece of my heart. No, He wants everything from me. God wants wants the most precious thing in my life. He wants everything. God wants everything. He demands that. By the way, he gave everything to purchase you and me. We'll get into that in a minute. Come on, preacher, stay on track. Okay, I will. The problem is many of us, and I've used this illustration before, don't freak out, okay? Let me promise you I won't freak out. Okay, good. Only three of you. All right, you're good. Well, I've used this illustration before. Just don't come up to me and talk to me about it afterwards, okay? How's that sound? Most of us, when we come to God, we want to strike a deal with God. We want to give God some of us. We want to give God some. We want to fit God into our little frame. And so this is Brother Lynch's $100 bill. I asked for it this morning. I said, Brother Lynch, can I have 100 bucks?" He said, sure. So he gave me a $100 bill. This is not fake. It's a real $100 bill. And so what we do with God, Alex, could you use $100? Would that be a blessing to you? Are you sure? Okay. I want you to imagine... And Alex, is, Alex, would you stand up here for a second? Alex is God and I'm me. And I come to God and I say, okay, God, I know you expect my all. I know you expect everything from me. That's a lot. So here's what I'm gonna do, God. I'm gonna give you some of my life. I'm gonna give you half of my life, okay? It's a win-win, God. You get some of me, I get some of me. You get some of my time, I get some of my time. You get some of my, you see the deal I'm, I'm, I'm striking here with God? I mean, understand that that doesn't work. Well, God, you can have, listen, I tell you what, I'll give you an hour on Sunday, but, but listen, I, this is for me, okay? I, I, I'll, I'll do what I want over here. And, and listen, it's a win-win, God. Listen, why? I, I can have what I want, you can have what you want, and everybody's happy. But can I just tell you something? Partial obedience is never a win-win. Partial obedience is disobedience. It's a lose-lose. Because now that I've given God some and not all, now that I've only surrendered a little bit of my life, now God, what I've given Him is worthless, and what I have is worthless. Now, this means nothing to me, and really God can't do anything with it. So here we are. We're at a stalemate because I've refused to surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. God doesn't want us. Half of Jesus I surrender. Half of all my life. I... No, that's not what he wants. i mean, understand what I'm saying today. God's not looking for half from me. God's not looking for 5%. God's not looking for 10%. God wants 100% of me. He wants all of me. Some of us are sitting in this room right now. We're beating our heads against the wall and we're asking God, God, why aren't you fixing this in my life? Why are my kids and why are my marriage and why and why and why? Because you've given God half and you've kept half. What we need to do is we need to come to the altar. Could you stand over there, brother? I'm sorry, asking you that. We need to come to the altar. We need to say, God, I'm so sorry. I've been trying to do this myself. I've been trying to keep everything for myself. I, I've been trying to live my own life. God, I give you the rest of it. I give you the rest of it. God, you can have it because in our life, when we give God half, it's worthless to us anyway. We might as well give it all to him. Matthew chapter number 16, verse 25, he will save his lo- his life. Will what? He'll lose it. He that saves his life shall lose it, but he will lose his life for my sake. The same shall save it. Hey, when you determine I'm going to give God it all, I'm going to give God everything. Guess what? Guess what? He can do something with that. Amen. Come on. Are you with me now? Amen. He can do something with that. Amen. I try to keep it for myself. I try to figure it out for myself. And guess what? I just mess everything up. I won't give it to him. Now I'm going to take that back from you, okay? All right. Go ahead and see. Thank you, Brother Alex. It's Brother Lynch's, like I said, so... What happens when we don't give God the whole thing? Sometimes we think, well, I, what, what keeps us from giving everything to God? It's fear. Well, if I break up with that person, I may never find love again. God did tell me that except to be agreed, why, why should they be together? I mean, God does say, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I know that's what the Bible says, but I'll just give him this and I'll keep this. Is that still in the Bible? Well, I know God wants the first fruits. I know God wants this, but I'll just keep this and I'll. And listen, I. I'm not trying to get into your business today, but I'll tell you one thing. When you keep half, you end up losing it all. You end up losing it all. I don't know what God is speaking to you about today, but I know in my life that God wants everything from me. Nobody wins when partial obedience is there. It's, partial obedience is never a win-win. Partial obedience is always disobedience. So the question is today, are you holding back from God? What are you holding back from God? Sometimes God tells us to go to places we don't want to go. Amen. Sometimes God tells us to do things we don't want to do. Amen? Sometimes God has us do things that we don't want to do. But listen, may I just say this? He's probably not going to come to your door tomorrow and tell you to sacrifice one of your children and then switch it up at the last minute. He's probably not going to do that. But I will tell you this. Sometimes God asks from us the most precious thing in our life. And we're trying to keep it back from God. Well, if I give it to God, I'll never see it again. If I give this thing to God, I'll never see it again. Can I just tell you something this morning? Abraham surrendered to God's sovereignty. He trusted that God had a plan. Abraham surrendered to God in sacrifice. He held nothing back. What happened to Abraham? What happened to Abraham? Well, let's look at it. What happened? Look at verse 15. Here's the good part. Are you ready for the good part? Say amen. amen. I said, are you ready for the good part? Say Amen. amen. Come on now, here we go. I'm telling you, I'm ready for the good part. Here we go. Abraham surrendered. Abraham Abraham sacrificed. Look at verse 15. And the angel called on Abraham the second time. He said, because you've done this thing, you've not withheld thy son, verse 17, that in blessing, I will bless thee. He said, what? In blessing, I will bless thee. In blessing. While you're in blessing... I'll bless you some more. He said, in blessing, I will bless thee. In multiplying, I will multiply thee as thy seed of the stars of the heaven. If that wasn't enough, they'll be as the sand of the seashore and thy seed will possess the gate of his enemies and in thy seed, all the nations. Not only will your seed be blessed, not only will your family be blessed and your inheritance be blessed, but he said, the people that are around you are gonna be blessed just because of how much you're being blessed. You see, Abraham decided, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to give God everything, the most precious thing that I have in my life. And he made that decision. Oh, listen, don't let me lose you today. This is a game changer. If you would believe this in your life, if you would just claim this in your life, listen, I understand that you're saved and I understand that you're a Christian, but there's more to it than that. If you'll learn to surrender to God, everything, everything, listen, God pours upon you blessings on blessings on blessings that you've never even experienced in your life. You give God a spoonful. Mrs. Hammonds, he gives you a shovel full. And you say, okay, God, I'll I'll give you another spoonful. He says, okay, how about another shovel full? And then you start giving God shovelfuls. And God brings a wheelbarrow to your house. And then you give God a wheelbarrow full, Brian. And then he brings a dump truck to your house. You cannot, you cannot surrender enough to God. You can't. He always blesses you. And all God's people said, I know I'm throwing a fit up here. I'm all over the place. I'm sweaty. I'm hot. But I want to tell you something. I mean every word that I'm saying right here because in my life, there have been times where I've held back from God and I thought, I'm just going to keep this thing between. I'm just going to hold this back from God. And God says, fine, you can keep that if you want. Or if you give it to me, I will bless you. And I've done it time and time again where reluctantly and and full of fear and hesitantly, like all of us do, I kind of come creeping to God and say, okay, here you go, God, let's see what happens. And God says, okay, I'll take that. And he takes it and God heaps the blessings upon you when you decide to give it all to God, to bring it to God we come to church and we want victory over this. We want victory over that. We want to see my family helped and I want to see this but victory begins with surrender. When you decide I'm going to give God everything. I'm going to give the God, I'm going to give God the whole of me. Not the half, not some. I mean in your life he owns your calendar. Come on, somebody give me a give me an amen or something. Throw something at me. I don't know. When I give God amen, when I give God all my calendar. Come on now. When I give God all my heart, when I give God my eyes, when I give God my feet, when I give God my hands, when I give God that heart, that part that I don't want to give him, when I give him everything, when I give him the whole of me, not the part of me, but the whole, the blessings don't stop. They just keep coming. They just keep coming. They just keep coming. And then God's, you start feeling like, oh, I don't want to give that up. And then you say, well, I better, can you give that up? And then the blessings start coming and they start coming and they start coming. I'm not preaching prosperity here. I'm preaching the blessing of the Lord here. Prosperity and blessing are two different things. God brings a blessing in your life. He works on your behalf. I said, he works on your behalf. He does things for you that you cannot do. He does things behind the scene that you wish you could do. He does the things that you've been praying for. He does those things that you have no power over. God does those things that you wish you could do. And when you, when you bring all that to God, and you say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender all, but I have this whole list of things that I need you to do. God says, I'll help you with that. But when you keep stuff for yourself and you don't surrender your life to God, you're on your own. Thank God for His grace and His love in our life. I'm so thankful that when I've held things back from God, He gently reminds me, lovingly, gently reminds me to surrender all. Listen, brother, your life is good because you're saved. Amen. You know for sure you're on your way to heaven. That's exciting but there's another step to your life. It's called surrender. Listen, lady, I'm glad that you're saved and and Jehovah Jireh, God brought along that lamb and I'm so thankful for that lamb. Because when, I, when it should have been me right here, brother Asperle, I should have been the one who died uh, on the altar for my sin. Anybody else besides me? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all together become unprofitable. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I should have been on that altar. Oh, but God commendeth his love. That means he demonstrates his love toward us that while I was yet a sinner, he got me off of that altar. While I was Yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He got me off of that altar. He moved me to the side and he went to the cross for me and for you. And he died on the cross. God provided the lamb. You see that story in the Old Testament isn't just a story. No, no, no. It's a type of Jesus Christ. And God was trying to show that he knew exactly what was gonna happen many, many, many thousands of years from that moment when Jesus Christ came from the lineage of that boy, Isaac, and died on the cross for you and for me. And I'm glad that you're saved. And I'm glad that you've applied that to your life. And if you haven't today, you should. But when you decide 100%, 100%, I'm going to give it to God. What are you holding back today? Is it bitterness? God, you can have all of this, but I'm going to keep bitterness right here in this corner of my heart. God says, I'm waiting for the bitterness. God, you can have, you can have all of this, but my friends over here, God says, I want everything. I want everything. We sang the song this morning titled, I Surrender All. <clears throat> it was written by a man named Judson Van Deventer. Deventer was a young man. He became a talented artist, very talented teacher. He was pursuing a career in art, doing very well, teaching and <clears throat> enjoying his life. And then something happened. He became a Christian. He got saved. He met Christ. God changed his life. He began to feel at the tug of his soul to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knew that's what God wanted him to do. God had put a call on his life, and he began struggling with that call. He loved art, he loved teaching. He didn't want to give it up. For five years, five years, Judson DeVenter, Van DeVenter, he fought with God. Anybody here ever fought with God? I mean, anybody here ever, ever won? Yeah, I me mean, neither. Amen. So <laughs> he began to fight with God. Five years go by. Finally, after struggling with God on his decision, he decided, I'm going to give God my life. He went into full-time evangelism. He preached all over America, saw thousands of people come to Christ through his ministry, because he surrendered. The day he decided to surrender, when he decided to surrender his life, he wrote the words, I surrender all. And here's what he said. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence, daily live. All to Jesus, I surrender. Humbly at his feet, I bow. Worldly pleasures, all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. All to Jesus, I surrender. Make me Savior savior holy, not partly, not some, but take me Savior, make me Savior, holy thine. May thy Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. We want victory in our life. We need victory in some areas. Victory always begins with surrender. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking this morning.